welcome to Messiah's Upper Room podcast. Each week, you'll join Messiah's Upper Room Bible study class led by Pastor Jim Adi. This week and for the next several weeks, we'll be taking a break from the book of John to participate in the Red Letter Challenge with the entire Messiah Lutheran Church body. Pastor Adi introduces the purpose of this challenge to the class, but due to technical difficulties, we weren't able to capture the discussion in its entirety. We're sorry for the sick-up, but please enjoy what bit of the conversation we did record during this introduction to the Red Letter Challenge. And, uh, the week one is an overview, which I did not realize that it was going to be an overview until two days ago. So, because Pat, partly because Pastor Coleman was, was gone, he's out of town when, when I was putting all this together, and so I had already prepared next week's lesson for this week. But, uh, so anyway, next week's lesson is already ready, so isn't that nice? Now, a reminder that uh, next week I will be gone. I'm doing a family wedding up in Montana. Yeah, it's going to be so terrible up there. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, what am I going to do? 40 degrees at night and 70 during the day. I just, I know, I, I don't know. How am I going to get through that? And, and the challenge, of course, will be that when I talk to Victoria every day on the phone, I have to sound like I'm suffering. <laughs> and we'll, but we'll work that out, won't we? We'll figure out how to deal with that. And what? Well, yeah, I know she knows me. That's the problem here. That's... I can't really, you know, blow smoke or anything like that. So uh, anyway, so anyway, today is, uh, and so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how this study is going to go because it's quite different from uh, what we've been working through in the Gospel of John. And it's kind of nice every once in a while to take a break from the longer stuff you're doing and, and get into something shorter. So we'll just see how this goes. This is, uh, this is, this will be kind of an interesting thing. But the graphic that I put up on the, uh, on the first part of your uh, sheet here is, is, is the one that I'm going to kind of use as a way of sort of saying this is how at least Pastor Adi's perspective of what the red letter challenge is about. And if you notice what is in the middle is what? Yeah, is the being part, which will be the lesson for next week. Gina Lehrman is going to take the lesson. She's an excellent teacher. And so, uh, and as I previously mentioned, that lesson's already done, huh? How nice, all right? But as we've often talked about in, in our class, and particularly with respect to the Gospel of John, is that the Gospel of John has been all about the fact that God is love, and he calls us to be his own, and because he calls us to be his own and we are his own, then therefore we are as he is. As he is love, we are what? We are love, we are loved, we are beloved. And just to remind you of this, when did he tell us that? He says it in the Bible, right? All, the Bible is all about you are, you are my beloved. But when did he say that to you specifically and in a particular way? Baptism. At your baptism. And that's what we've talked about a lot, is that in the same way at Jesus' baptism, God said, this is my son whom I love, i.e. my beloved. This is my beloved son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then when you and I are baptized, we also then are recipients or beneficiaries of the very same words that God said of Jesus, Jesus says of us. You are my son, you are my daughter, whom I what? Love. 
and with you I'm well pleased. So as I'm looking at the aspects here of, uh, of the red letter challenge, all right, so we're, we're going to be talking about uh, forgiving. There's so many favorites here, right? We talk about forgiving. We'll be talking about going. We'll be talking about giving. And we'll be talking about serving. But as I look at that, all of these flow out of the fact that I am beloved. And the, the beautiful aspect of that is, is what if you're not so hot at all of these? What if you're not, I mean, maybe you're good at one of them. Like, let's pick one. What one might you be good at? Serving. How many of you have ever taken the love language book and taken that and then discovered that acts of service was your love language? You know what I'm talking about when I say love language? Okay, what am I talking about? Everybody said, yeah, now nobody wants to answer. <laughs> yeah, see, I've got you trained to agree with me, everything. That's so awesome. Okay, yeah, Daryl. It's the way that you uh, express love and the way that you receive love. That's, that's right. categories that make, make the most impact on That's right. So, like, for example, what are, there's five of them. Can you remember what they are, Gerald? Now I'm really putting you on the spot. Yeah. Okay, so you got, okay, Tim, one. Give me one. I know. <laughs> Just one. Uh, physical touch. Okay, physical touch. Acts of service. Gifts. Yeah, giving gifts. Um, oh boy, now we're struggling. Words of praise. Yeah, it's words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Yeah, and Phil. Time. Quality time. Very good. Awesome. See, look how many men answered that question. <laughs> I'm impressed by that. Wow. To get a guy to read a book like that, man, forget it. Although... I ordered the book one time for the men. There's a men's version of it. And I was looking at the women's version, trying to figure out what's the difference between the men's version and the women's version. And in the men's version, it has a handy index in the very front of the book, so you don't have to read the book. It's awesome. <laughs> I thought, whoever, whoever put that together knows exactly how a man thinks he doesn't want to read that whole book. He just wants to look at the index and get the bullet points, and we got the book. Yeah, put of Cliff Notes. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I have no idea where I'm going on this this morning. But anyway. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it, many people would say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Uh, so, so on that. Oh, forget that. I'm Lutheran. And, <laughs> and then this one might be the, one, one of the hard ones. Forgiving. Okay. I mean, not, none of us is going to be super great at all of them. But when you know you're this, when you know that you're beloved in your being, not just what you do, but in who you are, when you know that, then the beauty of it is, is that you can be like a 10 of this and a 2 of that. You can be great at some things and lousy at others. And that doesn't change the fact of who you are. And not just who you are, but whose you are and how God views you and how he values you, and how he loves you. So I look at this as being the central thing, the being and beloved, and then out of that, everything else flows. The other part of it is, is that when you know you're beloved, then everything else is a response to that, correct? Yeah, see, and we, we always talk about that from our Lutheran perspective, is that everything we do is a response to what God has already done for us. And so whether you do it great or you don't do it great, I mean, we would like for everybody to, in this whole room to be able to do it great. 
But some things are going to be more natural to do, and other things are going to be less natural to do. And so that's the aspect of this that, uh, that I want to make sure that, that I uh, remind you of. Okay, any thoughts about that? Okay, very good. So let's get into this then. What is the Red Letter Challenge all about? I put this together before I knew what the uh, gospel lesson was for this morning in church. So it's an amazing uh, coincidence, I guess. All right, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Jesus is speaking. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against this house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. So a little thoughts here in terms of outline form. Wise builders pay attention to the what? No, to the soil in which they build the foundation. So what's the foundation of a house? It's that concrete pad. If you have have a pier and beam, that's a little different. But the house is built on a concrete foundation. But as we know in Texas, and particularly in North Texas... Cracks can form in the foundation based on what? The soil. The soil is the, is the bigger issue. As I make my uh, daily pilgrimage to Messiah from Arlington, I'm traveling on roads where they are doing a lot of road work. So, for example, on uh, George Bush, you know, they're widening the road. If you don't know that, just drive on it and you'll discover it, okay? It's very interesting to drive by... And of course, I am paying attention to the road while I'm sort of glancing off to the left to see how they're doing it because it fascinates me what they do in order to build roads. And one of the things they do is they move all the dirt, all the clay, all the soil, and then they start putting stuff into that area that will stabilize that. Why do they do that? Because our soil shifts. There's so much clay, there's water, there's all this stuff that moves it around. Okay, what are they always telling homeowners to do around the foundation of their homes in our area? That's right, yeah. Put a soaker hose out and just keep that moisture there. That'll keep it solid. So the point here is wise builders pay attention to the soil in which they build the foundation. And in the analogy of the parable, the soil is your heart. The soil is your heart. Oh, that's a little different, isn't it? Hmm. Uh-huh. Well, let's see where that goes. So rock is solid. Sand is shifty. Which one will stand up to a storm? Now, it's kind of interesting. When I was in East Texas, I had a soil guy. So in East Texas... Um, the sand, the uh, soil is basically sandy. It's, as you move further to the west and to the north, like up here, it's mostly clay soil. That's one of the reasons why azaleas grow so well in East Texas, because the soil's more acidic, and it's more sandy, and you don't have to add a lot of extra stuff to the soil for that reason. Okay? You might add it just to keep uh, moisture in the soil. But I had a, uh, a uh, U.S. 
conservation guy one time say to me, well, this scripture is wrong. <laughs> yeah, he was a Lutheran guy. I thought I was stunned. I was shy. I thought it was a trick question is what I thought it was. But actually what he said is, is that if you build a house on sand and really work it into the sand, it actually is quite stable, all right? But notice what the analogy or the, what the parable's details are. When he talks about the threats to the house, what is he describing? The rain fell and the what came? That's different. If you're building in a floodplain, you want to be building on solid rock as your fa- where, where you put your foundation, not on sand. Because as you know, if any of you have ever been to the beach and you built a beautiful sandcastle and then here comes the waves and they wash it away. I mean, that makes perfect sense, all right? So wise Christians hear the word and do it. They do it. And that's the message we get in this parable. Because it's not just simply hearing the words. Remember what Jesus says? Everyone then who hears these words of mine, and then what? Does them. That seems to be uh, upping the ante just a little bit, doesn't it? From simply hearing it, now it moves me into doing it. So your house is your life. And the lives of those you influence could be your family, could be your marriage, could be the people that you work with. And so when the house itself is built on the foundation and the foundation is set into the heart and the soil is good and underneath the soil is the rock of the gospel, nothing's going to break your house. There'll be lots of threats to your house. You have to maintain your house. You have to do all those things, right? But the house, when the floods come, will not uh, wash away. So rain and floods and winds are threats to the house. What might be then the example of the human threats or the threats to your human house, if this is your life, might be your marriage, might be your relationships, what might be some examples of threats to that? In the same way that rain and floods and, and wind could be a threat to the actual house. Your life. Pain and illness. Pardon? Pain and illness. Okay, pain and illness. We'll put that up on the board here. Hmm? What? Income. Somebody say income. Okay. So your financial situation, especially if that gets threatened somehow, and it could be by that sometimes. As your faith may waver from time to time. Your faith may waver. So would we say doubts? Is that what you yeah, kind of mean? Exactly. They have real lows in their life and their faith may... Okay. Uh, yeah, let's put highs and lows in there. Which you can kind of get the sense that some of these things are interlinked. When some of these things happen, then sometimes that can be a part of it. Yeah? Okay, what else? Family problems. Family problems, yeah, sure, family problems. Yeah, like when you have family members that don't agree with you, stuff like that. Or just stressors, family stressors. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're right, yeah. All right, anything else? Anything else? Pardon? Distractions. Distractions, like, like 
supports both sides. Anything that takes you away from the word. Oh, yeah, of course. And and there are plenty of those things available today, right? I mean, what time do the Cowboys play? What time is that? <laughs> when the Cowboys play at noon, have you noticed that early church attendance is quite uh, elevated? Have you noticed that? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah, so distractions. Okay, so these are all things that can serve as threats. And the thing is, is that that's just real life, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing here that we would say, oh, that's not me. I mean, it, it, all of us are subject to that, all right? But again, the, key, the strength of this is found here. And, and the fact that then when, my, when the soil of my heart is, uh, is resting on the rock, the stability of that, then the foundation is there and then the house is good. Because, and we, any of you, have any of you had foundation problems ever before in your life? Oh, okay. So you know that, how did you know, by the way, that you were having foundation problems? How did you know? Cracks in the foundation? Oh, yeah, cracks in the wall. That's right. And so then did you try, like, putting paint over it to see if that would fix it? <laughs> did you try that? Yeah? Wallpaper is an amazing band-aid. Yeah, just band-aid it with wallpaper. No one will ever know. And then you move, of course. Yeah. So, um... So then what did they do? Just uh, I have not had foundation issues yet. I say yet because, you know, probably it's inevitable. But what did, what did they do then with it, foundation? They go in and they dig and they tunnel under and, yeah. We had, a, we had a slab issue last year with water. We did have that. But that was a little different than, uh, that was too much water, let me tell you. Okay. Do what? They dig down to... Is that what they do when they do the pierce thing? Yeah. So literally, they go through this and they're looking for this, right? Yeah. I read somewhere that in the Middle East, particularly in desert communities, where there's tons of sand, and you think, how in the world can anybody build a house that's not going to fall apart in the sand? What they literally do is they dig down until they find the rock under the sand, and apparently there is a lot of rock under the sand, but you wouldn't know it because of all the sand that's there. So Jesus' uh, words here are very, uh, very applicable. Okay, next page. So our red letter challenge is really basically all about hearing and doing. So a couple questions here for us to sort of ponder a little bit. What might contribute to people not hearing the word? Because the word is, is, can anybody today say the word is unavailable? No, it's, and it's, it's available in, in hundreds of languages, right? And even if you didn't know the language, you can go on, is it Google, where you can go on and get a translation in it where you can do that, sort of, yeah? I mean, again, the, the availability of the word to get out. So what might contribute then, if, if the word is, is available, what might contribute to people not hearing the word? Pardon? So a bias toward it would be, say, I'm going to marginalize it or I'm just not going to pay attention to it. You don't want to hear it. Okay, that's a possibility. Okay. Yeah, Phil? People not living it. Ooh, Phil, now you're getting personal. Okay. What, what do you mean? Uh, just not showing the actions that the, <clears throat> that the word calls us to show towards one another, towards our neighbor, towards whether they're Christian or not. 
So you could pick one of those four things and wonder if what you're saying is maybe as Christians we're not doing the doing consistent with what it says, and then that sends a message to other people that they don't, it's not worth hearing because it's not really making a change. Is that what you're saying? Phil, Phil, you're getting very quiet over there now. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand what you're meaning. Are you, are you kind of putting the onus on those of us that hear, do hear the word and then we're not doing the, doing the word? There's a difference from, between reading the word and understanding the word. And yes. And putting it into practice into everyday life. Okay. So, so putting that word into practice to show others what it means, that can be a form of witness and then others would be open to perhaps hearing the word more. If they want to hear it. Yes. Right. Okay, what else? Information overload. There's too much stuff out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, actually, that is probably some of it, is that if I'm filling my life all the time with stuff, 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 then maybe the word just takes on another stuff. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Harden hearts. Harden hearts meaning? Um, they just are turned off to not in tune with God at all. Don't want to be. Just, you know, it's like they hear it and it's like that. Yeah. So, like, have you ever found yourself talking to somebody and you're wondering if they're listening? <laughs> yeah, I'm having that experience right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that sometimes, isn't there, that, that we, uh, we are, I mean, we're saying stuff, we're reading, we're doing all this kind of stuff, and it's not necessarily turned off, though it could be, that what you're saying, somebody didn't want to hear. Yeah, now, we probably ought to mention that a little bit. At what point does God harden someone's heart, or at least in the stories in the Old Testament where we read that mostly? At what point does God do that? After what? Repeated, long-term ignoring what God had to say or just flat-out disobeying it. So does a Christian ever have to worry that God is hardening your heart? No. You might be hardening your own in the form of stubbornness. That could be, right? But Christians don't have to worry about that, all right? That because, because what precedes it is maybe years of going my own way instead of uh, going God's way. Okay, thoughts? Any others? Yeah. One of the things my uh, boss as a teacher kept hammering on us was wait time. Wait? Wait time. Wait time? Okay, wait. So sometimes when you're putting the gospel out there, the person that's receiving it is not responding, but that doesn't mean nothing's going on. Mm -hmm. They're processing it, mm -hmm. and they're trying to say, okay, you've given me this new information. How does this fit with all my experiences? And so they may not be very responsive to us. Yeah. And it would be on us to be impatient and demand mm -hmm. <laughs> that they come along. How many of you uh, process information quickly? Like we have, like, like how?
thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room. Here at Messiah Lutheran Church, our mission statement is sharing his light. That means sharing the light that is Jesus Christ and telling others about his gospel. If you want to join us in that mission, please share this podcast with someone that may want to come and better know the light of Jesus. Use one of our past episodes as a starting point to start a discussion with someone, or use a past series as a personal Bible study or devotional for your family or small group. If we've given any value to you at all, consider leaving this podcast a rating and review on iTunes. That will help us climb the iTunes rankings so we may better spread the reassuring good news of Jesus Christ and continue to share his light with anyone willing to listen. Thank you again so much for listening, and until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.